Hi everybody, I'm John Sherwood and this is my podcast where I seek to fuel faith in Jesus in the 21st century. I'm a minister of the gospel and believe in making disciples who make disciples because Jesus really is beautiful and amazing and worth following with everything that we have. You can check out more resources at my website, johnsherwood.com, where I write about the intersection of faith and modern culture, as well as Bible study, leadership, and faith interviews, all designed to help ignite and fuel faith in Jesus Christ. And with all that, let's dive into the episode. personally experienced staleness in your Bible reading? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, becoming a Christian in my early twenties, I was brand new to the Bible and, um, I hadn't really read much of it ever at all. Uh, and so in the beginning I was just eating it up, devouring it. I, I couldn't believe how this ancient text was, uh, speaking into my life, you know, some thousands of years later. And, uh, I was just devouring it. And, um, you know, obviously over time, um, there's this tendency to just kind of get in a rut and, um, you know, you don't really know where to go. You lose motivation and, um, you know, reading the Bible kind of becomes stale and, and, uh, I can understand, you know, at that point I could understand how Bibles end up on bookshelves, just sort of collecting dust like they did in, in my upbringing, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's just a natural part of, of, uh, walking, with Jesus is that, you know, we have to fight to, to keep our relationship with him fresh. And, and that also includes a, a relationship with his word, you know, and, and keeping that fresh and invigorating and inspiring. And um, yeah, so I, th- I think it has definitely grown stale for me. I know that for sure. Have you ever personally experienced some periods of inconsistency with Bible? reading? Oh, sure. <laughs> All the time. You know, I think, um, consistency is maybe one of the the biggest things to um to go you know uh when our bible reading becomes stale um you know because nobody likes to do things over and over that are rote or not inspiring or um you know not not sensing its helpfulness you don't want to do it and so yeah i totally have been inconsistent um and gone through periods in my life where you know my bible reading is is minimal or maybe i'm just kind of doing the the daily verse snack, you know, where I get the little pop-up on my phone or something like that, and I get my verse for the day. But, you know, I, I will say that I think um, over time, if I'm not in the Word, you know, if I don't get in the Word for a few days or a week or more, I do start to really feel it. I start to sense like, um, I don't know how to express it, but maybe like a malnourishment. I start to feel kind of weak. I start to sense that I need to get into the Word. Um, and I've always been very grateful for that. I don't exactly know if I can totally explain that or why or how that happens, but I have noticed that if I'm not in the word for a period of time, I do start to sense and feel that, that lacking. And I, it starts to kind of prod at me and motivate me to, to, to jump back into the word in some sort of meaningful way. So you wrote a book called Light to My Path, 10 Commandments and Seven Deadly Sins of Bible Study. Mm-hmm. Um, what are a couple of the commandments? Well, uh, actually, you know, um, one of the things that we've been talking about here, one of them is consistency, right? Trying to um, really fight for consistency in the word, whatever that might mean, you know. Um, but 
really trying to engage the, the spirit of self-discipline to create consistency because over the long haul, though at times it's going to be a grind, though at times it's not always going to feel uh, super uplifting or inspirational or that you're not going to walk away with some mountaintop high experience, the um, discipline of consistency I have found uh, really does help the long-term growth and progress and ultimately sanctification of becoming more like Jesus. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's one of, one of the things I mentioned in the book is, is just figuring out how to be consistent and having some, even some practical um, means in which to do that, to come up with a plan, to create some accountability measures, some boundaries that can help you um, in whatever uh, stage of life you find yourself in to be able to have some consistency in the word of God. So, yeah, what's the second commandment in the book? Um, well, one of the other commandments that I talk about is uh, actually the need um, to obey, to, to engage the Bible in such a way, to have a mindset that um, I don't want to just gain information, but I want this word of God, this communication from God to transform me um, into the likeness of his son, Jesus. And in order for that to happen, it takes more than just my eyes scanning over letters on a page, but I've got to really have an intention to obey what he's saying, which takes humility. Uh, it takes a submissive spirit. Um, and it takes a relinquishing of my will to adopt God's will, uh, for my life and for the life of, of those around me. And so, uh, that's one of the other things that I talk about is just how important it is to to have a mindset of obedience and submission when we engage the word to, to prayerfully seek how God would want us to obey what we're reading and to, to try to figure that out. What are a couple of the deadly sins in the book? Well, uh, conversely, you know, to what I was just saying, one of the things that we can fall uh, prey to is, um, you know, where we're learning the Bible, but we're not really living it. Right. Um, and I know for me, in my personal history, my personal experience, this is one of the things that really turned me off from Christianity the most um, growing up, is I saw and perceived a lot of hypocrisy of people who, you know, went to church and said they were Christians and maybe even read the Bible, but their lives looked just like mine, or even worse, <laughs> uh, who didn't do any of those things. And, um, and I think that sometimes we can fall into this trap, this sort of quote-unquote deadly sin of Bible reading where we're reading the Bible, we're hearing the Bible on Sundays and sermons and stuff like that, but we're not really living it out. We're not really changing. We don't have a repentant spirit and heart, you know, going back to what I was just saying is that we don't, we don't really have an intentionality of obeying. Um, and somehow, some way we can fall into this, um, this trap and this, this sort of deception that we think by hearing it or reading it, that that somehow is by in and of, in and of itself, by itself, it's transforming us, you know? Uh, but when we really take close closer look at our lives, we recognize that we're not actually changing. You know, as we look over periods of time, months and years, we're not actually becoming more like Jesus. Uh, that can be a, a dangerous trap that we fall into. That somehow we think that by our understanding, by knowledge, um, that that's somehow creating in us uh, the likeness of Jesus. Which obviously, I think most everybody that would hear this would acknowledge and, and recognize that they have known someone who knows the Bible very well and can 
tell you a lot about it and maybe even has advanced scholastic education and degrees on the subject matter, but their lives have not been transformed by it at all. And, and obviously I don't believe that that's God's intention for his word. I don't believe that's why he gave us his word uh, was just to sort of intellectually stimulate us without any real change of life and heart. Uh, so I think that's, that's one of the, one of the, the deadly sins, one of the, the uh, you know, one of the traps that we can fall into as, as Bible readers. Uh, uh, so what, what's another deadly sin of Bible study? Um, one of the other things that I mentioned in the Bible, or I'm sorry, in the book about the Bible that I wrote is um, just this idea of being a lone ranger, you know, of, of going it alone, of, of getting isolated in our Bible reading, and, and especially in our Bible interpretation, that um, we're not really engaging the Bible communally. We have no real platform or avenue or medium or environment in which we can engage the scriptures with other people. Um, you know, it can be really dangerous when we're only reading the Bible by ourselves um, and we're not actually in dialogue with others about that. We can um, be much more susceptible to error and to um, erroneous interpretations and can, you know, it's, it's a lot easier in that environment to just kind of get out there in left field, you know? And so one of the things I talk about is the, the, the community nature of the Bible and how for millennia, you know, the words of God have always been um, read and digested and, and mulled over in community and um, how I, how important I think that is and, and how challenging that is for us in a very hyper individualistic cultural context here in the West, you know, where, um, most of our Bible reading is by ourselves, right? We talked about the quiet time practice of the, the evangelical Protestant, you know, that usually means that I'm sitting by myself in a quiet place, meditating, reading God's word, trying to commune with God in some sort of individualistic way, which is great. And that's needed. But if that's done apart from any sort of communal context with other believers, um, I think it just introduce, it introduces a lot of risk. Um, and so, and, and even as you read the scriptures itself, as, as it talks about the community of God's people, whether that be the old, old covenant Israelite nation or the new covenant, uh, people bound by the Holy spirit, it, the, the scriptures always have that communal context. They're always being read and distributed and, 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 um, engaged as a community. Let's say someone's listening to this and they say, you know, I kind of sort of read my Bible once in a while, but I don't have a plan. Um, mm. Could you walk me through a good Bible reading plan? Uh, not that there's just one for everybody, but just is, sure. is there a plan that might be helpful? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and you're right. There's there's certainly no um, single you know Bible reading plan or, or single approach to a plan. Um, and, and there's lots of great reading Bible reading plans out there for free on the internet and stuff. Um, I think to me, the biggest step is just to have a plan. <laughs> it sounds kind of intuitive, but just having a plan of any kind is better than probably not. And so whether that's um, a daily reading through the Bible in a year plan, or that's a, a reading of the Bible chronologically, or um, reading the New Testament. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things out there that I think are very helpful. Um, I'm a big fan of the Bible Project. I think they've done some really great work, and I think they make the Bible very accessible and much more engaging through their animation studio. I think they've got some great Bible reading plans as well. Um, I think for me, the way I would 
um, advise someone on their Bible reading plan, I think has to do a lot with their story, right? Like kind of where they're at in terms of their faith, um, how experienced they are at reading the Bible. You know, I might advise a plan for someone who's um, very new and has read really none of the Bible like I was when I first started uh, my faith journey. You know, I might advise that person very differently than someone who has read the entire Bible before they're um, an experienced Christian and they've just grown stale or wrote or lost motivation. I might have different advice. So it's hard to really just say, here's one thing. But I do think um, for most people starting out in the Bible, I would usually advise them to start in the New Testament, um, maybe start with one of the four Gospels, which is a recounting of the story of Jesus, his life and his ministry. Um, you know, we tend to read books in our context, left to right, you know, front cover to back cover. And I found that that initially can be a very challenging way to engage the Bible because there is so much of a, a historical gap between us and the writers, especially in the beginning parts of the Bible. And so I found that starting in the New Testament naturally shrinks that historical gap a little bit more. It's a, it's a bit easier for us as modern Western uh, newcomers to the Bible to, to feel like it makes sense and it has practical application and we can connect with it, I think, a bit more easily. Um, you know, it's written mostly in narration style, which we're more familiar with. And so I, I usually tell people to try to start with one of the Gospels and then maybe move to the next part of the story in the New Testament, which is the book of Acts. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the ways that I might say just, hey, if you wanted to just start reading the Bible tomorrow, what might you do? Just, you know, decide to read um, for a certain amount of time or a certain uh, determined amount of length of the scriptures, whether it's a chapter or three chapters or five chapters, whatever, you know, you're sort of able to do in your life stage and context and things like that. And, and then um, read it on a couple different levels. Try to read it maybe even a couple different times. Uh, read through a chapter once or twice, maybe three times. And, um, and try to figure out, okay, what's the main theme of, of what this is saying? What's the main point, right? Is there some way that I can see this portion of the scripture that I'm reading uh, to see the, the main theme or, or two main themes that are jumping out? And then what might those themes look like for me today? Um, you know, and I think this is one of the things I talk about in the book in the, the commandment portion of knowing uh, your hermeneutic and exegeting properly is we've got to try to figure out, and this is very, very difficult, especially for new Bible readers, because it's not the way we've been trained to read things, but we've got to realize that the Bible can never mean for us what it never meant for them. And so we've got to try to figure out, okay, what was the author's intent? What was he trying to say to his original audience, to the best of my ability to figure that out? And how would they have understood that? And then from there, I can now try to apply that understanding that they would have had to my life, rather than just jumping straight to the hermeneutic, which is, okay, what do I think this means for me today? If we skip over, what did it mean for them? It can really offer us a lot of opportunity for misinterpreting the Bible and we can come up with all, because, you know, really you can read the Bible and make it, you know, you can think that it says just about anything you want it to say. And, uh, and so we do want to have some, some controls on our Bible reading so that, um, you know, we're trying to interpret and apply the scriptures as God is designing them to. And, and I think that uh, that would be how I would try to advise someone who's jumping into the Bible to, to try to approach it is, Hey, figure out what do you think the original audience, the original hearers and readers of these, these things, what do you think they might've thought that they meant? And then from there go to, okay, how can that apply to me today in my context? How do 
you make the transition from thinking about the Bible as a burden to your schedule uh, to then thinking about the Bible as a light to my path, something that you truly do love? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think for me, um, the proof is in the pudding, you know, um, it's like, I have seen how the Bible has shaped my mind and heart to lead to um, a, a greater life of flourishing, meaning, purpose, joy, and love. <laughs> and so, and I think that's why for me, when I get away from it for days or a week or whatever, I think that's what I start to feel. I start to feel the lack of that light, lighting the path of my life. Um, I have experienced that when I'm um, richly and meaningfully and consistently engaged in the word that it actually produces a more flourishing life <laughs> for me than when I'm not, or than when I wasn't right. I look at my life before I followed Jesus, before I read and applied the word and it was just an utter train wreck. And now as I read and apply the word over consistently over time, it really does light my path. It really is a light for my feet, guiding me in a direction of life that is most flourishing for me and for others around me, which is obviously what God's intention is, right? Is to bring back and to recreate that flourishing of the garden of, of life um, with God and creation unhindered by sin. And, and that by my engagement in his word, I get to be on that path. And, um, yeah, to me, the proof is in the pudding. It just works, you know, like my life is just better. Uh, and, and, and I don't mean that in a superficial, um, surfacey sort of prosperity gospel kind of way. It doesn't just make me happier and healthier and wealthier. I mean, it gives my life greater meaning and purpose and richness and depth and connects me to God and other humans in a way that I wouldn't without his, his light lighting my path. Thank you for listening to this Faith Fuel podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time.